Generally not. I'm here with the I'm here with the with the lawyers. Guild as a legal observer. I'm here just as much for you as I am. Okay. Did you see anybody touch me? Because if you didn't, you're lying. They're bumping into me and they're keeping I'm me here as a legal observer. You know, I can walk on the sidewalk, right? You can walk anywhere you want. I don't have any. Okay. Can you? I'm here as a legal observer. I'm here just. I'm really like. I'm not even joking. Like. Felt a little bit threatened, but I'm, took up I'm here as a legal tonight. observer. I'm here just as much for your rights as anyone else's. Okay. All right. He's bumping into me. I'm trying to I'm, walk straight. I'm, I'm trying observer. to walk straight. I'm here. Observe. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Really, really I'm really trying to just walk straight to this point. I, I can, I don't have any can I get to right here, sir? sir? I don't have any control. But you're a lawyer here to enforce what? I am not, Fairness I'm not on one side. Anyone. I'm not enforcing anything. I'm observing. Yeah. To make sure you don't have a notepad. You don't have a laptop. You don't have any official records with you. Do you have the name? Are you public? It's a one-party state. I don't need your permission in New Mexico on a public ground. I looked this up. I know. I'm not I mean, silly. It's so much easier to watch you if you're standing right here. So this is so much better. I just don't want people to touch me. I should be able to walk in a straight line, but this is like, look, they're, they're squaring up. They have their hands. What's the deal here? I'm trying to record you guys, get as good of a shot as I can. You guys are aggressive. Yelling? There's not any other voices out here tonight, so I just want to be one voice. That's my point. Welcome, 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 clouds of diaper babies to the Cosmic Show. I am your host, the Cosmic Rotter. For all you audio-only listeners on America Unhinged Podcast, we salute you on Buzzsprout, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple, at least 15 platforms right now. So please go support the audio-only. Man, oh man, I this is a little bit of a late-breaking news for me. I did not know this story. The U.S. mercenary known as John McIntyre. Mars Bars was pointing this out to me. He's like, dude, you got to read this. You got to cover it. Like, I can't believe you haven't seen this. It is wild. I barely dipped my toes in it, but we're going to react to this and watch it live. We'll watch the interview from Rumble shortly. Um, anyway, make sure you smash the like button. Um, let, let's get into the thread. The thread from Graphic W at Graphic W5 on Twitter. He shared this ten count of him. This Mercenary, I guess he went to Ukraine, then defected to Russia or something. It is something bizarre. But here we go. This is the entire video of an interview. This is the tweet by RT Russia Today of a U.S. mercenary who defected to Russia, claimed he always planned to. Who's interviewed by Russia Today, and many have trouble accessing Russia Today in some locations. Here's the entire 17-minute clip of the interview, which we will watch on a different platform. Now on Twitter, we all can see it regardless of location. Um, where's the whole thread? Is the thread down here? No, wait, what happened? Come on. Oh, my God. See, this is what I get for not being completely prepared. I should just be able to go to his channel and find the next series of threads. Oh my god, did I really not have the right thing bookmarked? Anyway. Ivor says, do you want the account for the Ukrainian side like spray painting his bunker? I don't know. I don't know anything about the story. I'm just going to cover it <laughs> right away. I did a little bit of fact checking on this, but I mean, I don't know what to uh, what else to say on this. 
Oh, I know where it's at. It's in my um, it's in my DMs. This is from Crus underscore Chicky, K R U S underscore C H I K I, and this is allegedly a firsthand account of um of what this dude was like when he showed up out of nowhere. Okay, so buckle up. I have some wild stories about this guy. Talk about John McIntyre. So this guy, Johnny, showed up to Ukraine and joined the Legionnaires. From what I've heard, he was eccentric for the time he showed up, but it was attributed to the fact that Johnny Boy wasn't the sharpest crayon in the box. <laughs> Upon arriving, he declared his intention to become a chaplain for the Legion, going as far as to write priest on his plate carrier, except he spelled it wrong. On more than one occasion, he loaded a belt on a machine gun backwards, claimed to be able to read Ukrainian and Russian. He knew what sounds the letters made, but not what the words meant. Once they got to combat operations, Johnny was a decent soldier. Things began to change, however, after a certain hard battle. But he was rotated away from the front lines, and he decided to get extremely intoxicated, started pissing on the Legion's vehicles. This guy sounds awesome. He was told stop and didn't, and eventually ended up pissing in the trunk of one of the vehicles that was filled with gear, food, supplies, a machine gun, after he was told that the convoy wouldn't pull over in a stretch of a dangerous highway for him to relieve himself. Well, how else are you going to react, really, you know? Oh my god, that's so funny. Essentially, he was told that he was a fucking disgrace and that he was fucked when they arrived back to the front because they found that he had a mini keg of beer in his rucksack and had been drinking all day. They arrive back to the front, and Johnny is told that he is being put under arrest. He doesn't like this, not one bit. He attempts to start fighting the other soldiers, even taking swings at them, until he was promptly rendered unconscious via a swing of a rifle butt. He wakes up in a house under guard and then decides to jump out of a window in the middle of the night without shoes or a shirt on and run away. After it is discovered that he has gone away, it comes out that Johnny may be in possession of a grenade. <laughs> he runs to a nearby village, which has been abandoned, and steals a woman's clothes from one of the empty houses. At this point, his unit is out looking for him quite urgently after it surfaces that he confided in one of them that dear Johnny was once in ISIS. He's now on Russia Today, claiming to be Antifa and a communist was ironically in ISIS and had previously been under Russian artillery and airstrikes in Syria. He smuggled himself back into the United States to the southern border and was hiding from the law. While in the United States and hiding from the law, Jihad Johnny decides to get himself involved in meth and Confederate biker gangs, <laughs> owing a substantial amount of money to this gang. He forced himself on the leader's daughter and got her pregnant in hopes that the leader of this biker gang wouldn't do anything to him. He was wrong. <laughs> oh my god. Oh. So the urgency to find this meth head ISIS member lunatic who's running around the grenade obviously increased greatly. He was then found after running through the town yelling, help me baby Jesus, help me, over and over again during an artillery barrage when he was promptly clubbed over the head with a rifle by the same guy who had done it previously. <laughs> he was then placed under strict confinement and while awaiting punishment, was sent to do a labor in a bunker. He was kicked out of the Legion after running away again, getting drunk and pissing all over a bunker and defacing it with spray paint. There's a joke about him, quote, that if the Russians ever got a hold of Johnny, he'd be wearing a Russian uniform within five minutes because of how impressionable he was, unquote. This ended up being true. 
After this, he ended up converting to Norse paganism and joining a different militia <laughs> who were totally unaware of these previous actions. After he had a discussion with the pagan, he decided to become one. Oh, man. Ivor says it gets worse. <clears throat> oh, my God. You could genuinely make a movie out of this. It's so insane. So the biker gang is out looking for him to get their money and assume his head. And having no way to pay it, Jihad Johnny decides to launch a jihad against the Confederate biker gang. This is all for what he told other members of the unit after he was caught. He got his hands on an AK and he rigged up a suicide vest and intended to detonate it to take out members of this gang. For the context, Johnny was a Christian, then became a Muslim, <laughs> then became Jewish, then became a Muslim again, and then an atheist, and then a Christian again. Like I said, not the brightest knife in the crayon box. <laughs> Repeated this cycle several times before, quote, selling his soul to Satan for 150 years of life, unquote, before becoming a Christian again. He was completely sober recounting this, by the way. <laughs> So the urgency to find – oh, wait. I think I accidentally read that ahead of time. What I suppose happened is that he got in trouble again and this other militia, fled to Istanbul, like he had said, and then onto Russia because otherwise he probably would have been strung up. As soon the Russians are going to find out he has an IQ of 68 and he's bullshitted all this. He's going to be in, a for, he's going to be in for a further rough time as there's really no going back on what he said. His former unit members don't believe he was a, quote, spy who had the mission to defect the whole time, unquote. Just that he's an absolute imbecile who's dug a hole so far deep he won't be able to climb out. He ended up in Ukraine in the first place to get away from the biker gangs. And also because his teeth were so fucked from meth use, he wanted to get them fixed. He did. And that's the tale of Jihad Johnny so far, related to me from other members who served in his unit. An absolute... Odyssey, insane shit, insane guy. This is probably the wildest true story I've ever written about on here. I still can't wrap my head around it. All right, now let's go ahead and get to... Wait, he says right here he missed a part. Wait, wait, I missed a part. The reason he didn't go through this jihad against the biker gangs was because Jesus appeared to him in a vision and melted the vest off him and he woke up naked. Oh my God! Let's go to the let's go to the interview, shall we? Just a year, former U.S. Army soldier John McIntyre was a foreign mercenary in Ukraine. Down there, it's me and all the boys. Say so, yeah. What the fuck? For real? Earlier this month, he defected to Russia. He brought everything with him, papers, files, intelligence, and maps. The thing is, he always meant to. The first question is, why Why are you here? I mean... Well, uh, it's the reason I came uh, to Ukraine in the first place. You know, uh, I'm a communist, I'm an anti-fascist, and uh, <laughs> we have to fight fascism everywhere, you know, so uh, I came... I like how he keeps the, the fake, subtle, like, Russia thing. It's very, very soft, but you can hear it. Ukraine, I knew uh, that I would try to get as much information as I could about, you know, anything that would be helpful and uh, defect across lines. The problem is... is uh, It's obviously a little bit of Appalachia, Appalachia mixed in. And uh, I found out they had uh, snipers in position, so if anybody... Uh, and actually found out that the snipers were for defectors, not for actually... Uh, 
protection. They were actually, uh, anybody tried to defect, they would shoot them, you know. Since March 2022, right. John served in Ukraine's Foreign Legion and Nationalist Battalion Karpatska Sich. Wait, that he looks like Azov. documented the Ukrainian war machine in all its ugly glory from the inside. He became part of it. God bless Ukraine. God bless America. But f*** you, Russia. F*** you, Russia. It's f***ing Russia, man. F*** you, Russia. Can I uh, step on this? Slava Ukraini. Horon Slava. It's Russia. F*** Russia. So weird. I can't Best believe I didn't know about this. You know, I had to become more nationalistic, more Nazistic, you know, doing... Does uh, that explain the videos where you were, you were like, Putin and... Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. It's uh, it's part of it to maintain my cover because I got to become them. I had to become you know Nazi. I mean? If I'm gonna be with them, I got to become them. You know, and doing the you know Hitler salute, stepping on Russian flags, everything. Oh my god! <laughs> this is the oh yeah, this is some dumb shit. <laughs> Karpatska siege, baby. Slava Ukraina, Heroin Slava, 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 Slava. Yeah. When I first came, I didn't. I kind of expected they wouldn't be that big of a problem. Like I, I kind of, you know, assumed that it was just like, a, yeah. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't think there was actually that many. But uh, when I came, I was really surprised. It was everybody have, you know, tattoos and uh, <laughs> Nazi symbolism. Sometime later on, uh, man, this is fucking. This is some insane CIA propaganda. I don't know what this is, but Ivor might be onto something. There's some psyops going on that's probably trying to 100% muddy the waters either way. Um, on my Facebook page, I had uh, pictures of uh, Che Guevara and uh, the Soviet Union, and uh, I got questioned for having communist views, and uh, I had to think quick on my feet, you know, and I, I just told him, I said, hey, I'm an anti-fascist. I'm here to fight Russian imperialism and the Nazis and this and that. And <laughs> No, the Russians aren't the Nazis. We're the Nazis. And uh, they, who, yeah. who said this? Who said this? Uh, it was just um, some guys from uh, Croatia or Czech. I can't remember what they were. But, These yeah. are foreigners as well. How's a dumbass make it that far? The proliferation and dominance of Nazi ideology from swastikas to SS emblems is well documented and studiously I take a hit of this. by Western Wedding crashers and media. And we're supporting these these guys, and these are supposed to be our ally, and we want to put them in NATO with us, and they can't even follow Geneva Convention, and they're supposed to be our friends. You know, like, this would never fly in America. The United States would never stand for this. Our whole country is literally burning a <laughs> of eyes, and we're spending $500 country million would never for these Nazis, <laughs> billions of dollars for oh. the Nazi government. You know, so that uh, infuriates me, and it's time for the American people to stand up and take control of our country. Over the year, John spent most of his time in squads with foreign mercenaries. He watched and documented names, places, crimes, and much more. The Russian position is a three kilometer over here. Maybe in the night, one group come back in the position to kill this. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me this. What about war crimes? Where did you My second day in Ukraine. Uh, we like, were in the Lev second day. We we did a war crime, <laughs> and uh, we were in like a school, but we were in like the basement. And what they did is they have a, a group of people, Roma, but they call them gypsy, you know. Hmm. And uh, what they did is they take the refugees and put them above us, 
and the soldiers below. That way, if uh, they bombed a school, they'd say, look, they bombed a school full of refugees. And this is a common practice uh, in Donetsk, Kharkov. Uh, we occupy uh, civilian houses next to uh, houses that people are still living in. That way, if uh, they bomb and kill civilian, they bring in the news crew and they say, look, uh, this house, they blew up and they killed these civilians. But what the camera doesn't show you is to the left and to the right is a house is uh, filled with military. You know, Of course, uh, I haven't seen, He's not seen saying anything this, uh, we don't person, know. thank God. But I know that uh, a lot of uh, captured Russian soldiers, they'll take and they'll uh, cut the genitalia with a knife oh. and everything. And... Uh, Dicks? Cut, them, cut their stomachs open and uh, slit their throats, cut their heads off and stuff like this, you know. Really horrible, horrible stuff, you know. Was this the work of nationalist extremists? Or just yeah, yeah, this? just extremists and uh, different organizations as all, you know, Carpath uh, Siege. People you knew? Yeah. Uh, uh, did any of them? Uh, yeah, they were foreigners, yeah. But did, did any of them take part in the, you know? commit any of these crimes yeah yeah they uh i told you earlier they had <laughs> shot uh three people in the back of the head they were foreigners uh one was from uh, portugal uh one was from france and uh one was from uh, argentina they proud yeah they're proud yeah of course john put up every appearance of a good mercenary <laughs> oh, yeah. america get it john he grifted everybody. John came prepared. For years, he served in the U.S. military. Uh, First Armored Division. It was uh, hot, hot out there. Is at uh, Fort Bliss, Texas. How long were you in the military for? Two years. Two years. Yeah. Two Good years, years in a month. Huh? Good years or? No, not really. <laughs> not really. A lot of drinking, you know. In the but, army? Oh, yeah, of course. Oh, Normal, we know, John. Really? Yeah, we yeah, just talked about On base? It. Yeah, yeah. Cocaine, oh, he's going to talk weed, about more of it. You, want, you know, prostitutes, hookers, you know, everything. On base? Yeah, they, they arrested one guy. He was a cavalry scout, and he, in his uh, barracks room, he had, like, bricks of cocaine. But he went you know, AWOL. He like a, uh, a dealer. Yeah, he was, like, the distributor for the whole base. But all that training in Texas, it didn't prepare him for this. <laughs> Nothing in Texas can prepare you for this. God, that was close. We're uh, northwest of Severodonetsk. Uh, we are getting nailed, dude. We are getting nailed bad. Uh, we just had a massive casualty event just in the last <laughs> 30 minutes. I've had like. <sighs> 10 close calls today. Today, dude, like we are getting nailed. It's too much for me, dude. And this is this Donbass, dude. This war, man, in general, ain't no joke, dude. <laughs> People are getting ate the up left and right. I should have went to college. <laughs> I've had a lot of moments where I'm like, oh my God, this is stupid. You know, what the hell this am guy's I doing? An actor. You know? But it had to be done because. You know, this, uh, the Ukrainian government and uh, Nazis that control the government and <laughs> control the population, you know, the things they're doing in Ukraine to the Russian people, they need to be talked about. You know, they need to be stopped. And we've got to fight Nazism everywhere we go, even in America. John documented everything. It was in his phone, his head, and in the papers he brought along. When you, when you came over, you said you, you were a spy. Did you hand over, for example, like bases and stuff? 
least yeah yeah of course intelligence agencies of course everything from the command structure to names you know uh weaponry everything and i was uh successful in that you know more than successful john also testified about how deep u.s involvement in this conflict is there has been a u.s uh participation in the war when i was in the international legion there was a uh he was like a military intelligence officer from the Navy. Uh-huh. And the he, US Navy. Yeah, and he had, uh, well, he was in uh, the Foreign Legion. Uh-huh. And uh, he had a satellite phone and a computer provided by the CIA. And every day he would call his uh, contacts and he would get uh, information about the positions, troop movements, and so on and so forth. And, Do you remember his name? Uh, yeah, yeah. What was this? Um Wait, no, what was his name? Hey, I'm so sorry, I can't remember. Idiot. First name, at least. Uh, I think it was like Marcus or something like that. Like, for example, they would provide, like, grid coordinates. According to him, the United States feeds the Ukraine the weapons and data to wage war. All that is left for Ukrainians and their foreign mercenaries to do is to point their weapons and shoot where America tells them. <laughs> Down here in the Donbass, it's been cold, wet. Uh, it's been hell, bombs. But we're finally in the truck. Say what's up, boys? Yeah. Would you say that most of the, the foreign most of the foreigners that you came in with have, have left? Uh yeah, yeah, most of them. Uh, because of mostly uh, some because of. Uh, they realized the reality of this war, and then uh, some were injured, and then uh, some were killed, you know. And uh, it's really sad about the ones that are killed because when they get killed, if uh, they don't get sent home, they get cremated, then they get sent home, you know. But this is this is what they chose, isn't it? Well, uh, it's, yeah, I mean, uh, it's they chose it. I mean, they chose to... Uh, to come and fight for fascists, you know, they chose to come and fight for Nazis, you know what I mean? So, And then there's the corruption, always the corruption in Ukraine. Western taxpayers, says John, are being robbed left and right. And then they take the insurance money and then they put the insurance money in their pockets. Oh, yeah. Is this what they do? Yeah, they take in the insurance money too. For foreign fighters? Yeah. Yeah. And was this... Was this a- Common practice? Yeah, of course. I mean, uh, like most, like I'd say, ninety percent of the uh, families they don't get their insurance right, back. From, and uh, they take in salaries too. You know, like if a soldier terminates contract, like I, like I did with the Carpathian Siege, I terminated contract. Yeah, right. Uh, they take in the last uh, paycheck. They take in this money for themselves. But this doesn't go back into the unit. It just goes straight into the commander's pocket. And it's not just with the insurance. It's with the, I mean, there's a, there's a huge uh, black market going on with the uh, Javelin rockets, the M4 rifles, and uh, M240 Bravo machine guns, and all the weaponry coming in. They take in all these, and they sell it. They, they, you've seen this. Yeah. Yeah, they stole, like, when uh, I was in the Legion, they took, like, 20 Javelin rockets. They took, like, 60 M4s and, like, 20 M240s. Who, who took, uh, took them? The, uh, like the logistics, uh, sergeant major and then the battalion commander, they were both in on it and stuff. They're actually in Karpatska or the Legion, yeah, in, in the Legion. Legion. Were, were they Ukrainians? Yeah, they were <laughs> Ukrainians, yeah. These weapons, then damn Ukrainians, some make their way overseas into the hands of terrorists, warlords, traffickers, jihadists, and criminals, all courtesy 
of Western taxpayers. I noticed when I was in Ukraine, they have like a lot of military shops. And I, I remember one day I'm sitting there thinking, man, uh, these helmets are really nice. You know, those almost look like the American helmets. And then what I realized is that all these helmets and body armor and these plate carriers and stuff coming in, they get stolen and then sold on the black market to these shops. And then the shop makes money off of it, too. Nothing, it seems, is taboo for Ukraine, be it open Nazi ideology, war crimes, theft, or anything else. Nothing's holy. October 21st, we just got here. We're in Donetsk somewhere. In the Donbass. Yeah. In the Donbass, baby. And, uh, oh, it's my friend Aurelio. Hi. <laughs> We just we're staying in this church for now. Uh, it's cold as heck. You know, we got some good food, though. So I actually was watching a documentary the other day of them uh, torturing. I can't remember. They was trying to get him to say some Ukrainian word, and he couldn't say it, so they kept torturing him and stuff like that because it's funny to them, you know. That's the, it's a hatred, you know. They hate these people. They hate the Russian people. They want to kill them. They want to genocide them. They want to remove them from the land. And America doesn't mind giving them money for this because they know that they can send in companies like Texaco, Chevron Mobile, um, Shell, and so on and so forth to extract all that oil. And then they can send in the American agricultural companies like John Deere and International to make all the money from the agricultural side of it, too. There are trillions at stake. Ukraine has already been told that it will have to repay ludicrous sums that the West spent on arms supplies. This is Ukraine a very is bizarre to take. ever be able to do that. Very bizarre twist on the whole Russia-Ukraine saga. What it can't pay in cash, it will have to pay in resources to Western companies. But for John, time has almost run out. I actually had to leave because I had actually planned... Uh, before I left, I had also planned to infiltrate the Azov Battalion and to gain information about their organization as well. But essentially what had happened was I was having a conversation about the war crimes being committed. And uh, even worse than being a spy, I was compromised as a whistleblower, So, uh, which is worse, obviously, because uh, that means a bullet to the back of the head. By, uh, really? Yes. Uh, anybody that confesses uh, is known to about to confess war crimes they get shot in the back of the head you know have you have you seen this no i haven't but uh, a lot of people go missing you know a lot of people they just go missing one day including foreigners including foreigners <laughs> yes earlier this month john packed everything papers documents maps and so much more everything he had gathered over the year and made his long planned defection essentially i fled i went to odessa and uh, I actually was, uh, had to call them all. I'm like, look, these, I'm in too deep. You know, these people, they're about to kill me. And I was really emotional. And luckily, uh, my family was able to scrounge up $300 to send me so I could go to Chisinau. And then from Chisinau, uh, once I'd made contact and everything and got my visa, I went to uh, Istanbul and then to Moscow on a plane. So. It was you? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, it was you? it was nerve wracking. I mean, I, it was. Um, I had been compromised, you know, and that <laughs> was to be executed. The wealth of information he oh, has provided is already being used by the Russian military and law enforcement, who have lists of war crimes and now even more names to them. There is years of work ahead, but we had <laughs> one final question for John. A year, after all, 
is a long time. If you, I mean, they're going to watch this. They're, they're going to see this. Yeah, the no. people, the people you you served with. Yeah. What would you say to them? Uh, all's all's fair in love and war. You know? Oh my God! It is what it is. That's Spies what you exist, said. You know, and I'm a spy. And mission mission accomplished. What an idiot! What a freaking fool! Oh, I hate this guy. I hate him so much. Everything about him. We're going to cover one more story, I think, pretty quick. Uh, Oscar Pistorius, a.k.a. the Blade Runner. This, this is a very famous true crime case, but he shot his girlfriend dead in the middle of the night in South Africa, claiming uh, he thought she was an intruder. But we'll take a quick look at a couple of short videos. Don't forget to hit the like button and subscribe to The Cosmic Show. This is from W.I.O.N. Oscar Pistorius, once famous across the world as the Blade Runner, could be released on parole within weeks, the 36th time after being convicted of killing his girlfriend 10 years ago. A parole board in South Africa will consider his case for early release on March 31st, that is. Pistorius shot his girlfriend, Riva Steenkamp, four times through a locked bathroom door at his home in Pretoria in 2013. Pistorius claimed that he mistook her for a burglar during a high-profile trial that was streamed live. He was. It's crazy that elsewhere outside the United States, murder charges, you get surprisingly light sentences. I mean, they're light enough in the U.S. as it is in most places, but, dude, 13 years... Oh, some guy named Vincent Lee in Canada beheaded somebody on a Greyhound bus and is out in the streets right now under mental care. And he did less than 10 years, I think. Convicted of murder and sentenced to six years in prison in 2014. The Supreme Court of Appeal enhanced that sentence in 2017 and extended the prison term to 13 years and five months. South Africa's judicial system has the provision that enables a prisoner to apply for parole if they have served half of their term. Pistorius claims that he was eligible for parole back in February 2021 and even met Steenkamp's father last summer. The process known as victim-offender dialogue is an integral part of South Africa's restorative justice program that brings parties affected by crime together. Okay, for more on this, our correspondent, Calden Ongmu, has sent us this report from Johannesburg. All right, let's hear it straight from the locale. It's been 10 years since the former Paralympian Oscar Pistorius shot and killed his girlfriend Riva Steenkamp on Valentine's Day. If all goes well for him during his parole hearing later this month, he might be a free man. In South Africa, prisoners are automatically eligible for parole after serving half their sentence. Last year, Terrible. Pistorius took part in a victim and offender dialogue with the Steenkamp family. This aims to provide closure for the victim's family as well as an opportunity for the perpetrator to seek forgiveness. However, the news of parole has South Africans divided. While some say he has suffered enough and he deserves this parole, others view him as a murderer who should spend his entire life in prison. The Stenkum family is still grieving the loss of their daughter after 10 years, so only time will tell whether Oscar Pistorius really deserves the spiral. This is Calden Ongmo from Johannesburg, South Africa. For We On, World Is One. Bam, there you go. There's that story. 
Let's go ahead and check out the counterpoint from 48 Hours, Oscar Pistorius' trial, the ballistics evidence, and we might have some recreations in this one. Let's see what this looks like. Under no circumstances can it ever be argued that there wasn't deliberate intent. With that weapon, you've got to pull the trigger four separate times to fire those shots. It doesn't just go off. Does the fact that there were four shots as opposed to, say, one or two indicate anything to you? Yes, it does. It's important because when you fire shots of that nature with that weapon, one shot Oof, is likely to produce terrible. a fatal outcome unless the recipient of the shot is very, very lucky. Can you describe the sequence of bullets for us that led to Reva's death? The first shot which struck Reva hit her in the thigh. The second shot hit her in the upper arm, just above the elbow, and blasted the big bone. The third shot, or fourth shot, hit her in the right temple. Now, it's absolutely crucial that the state can show not only that that was the sequence, but that there was a delay in the shooting. Why is that delay important? Because it then hey, what's okay? argued that Reva, after the what's first shot on? in the hip, would have cried out, thus dispelling any notion that Oscar would have had. That's right, smash the lake. So how does this weigh up against the defense's ballistic evidence? Well, the, the defense really want to have the shots fired in very rapid order so that there would be no chance of her crying out. One of the defense's arguments is that police bungled the initial crime scene investigation. A crime scene should be managed very tightly. That was just so absent. But in your opinion, this will not impact on the case? I don't think it will have an outcome on the final decision of the judge. And I think it's always going to be an issue for Oscar why he fired the shots at somebody that he could not identify behind a closed door who was providing no imminent danger to him. That is the real question which the court is going to have to grapple with. Was he justified in firing those shots? Well, we all know he was found guilty and got light sentence. He's probably going to be out of jail, but that's my quick stream for the day. That was impromptu. That was put together really quickly, but I appreciate you guys stopping in on a Friday. I'm going to try to go to a comedy show downtown tonight. There's a new comedy club. I want to see how it looks. But anyway, thank you guys for joining. We'll talk to you later tonight or tomorrow, this weekend, sometime soon. You know, peace.